Welcome to Listening with Leaders. I'm Doug Noel, lawyer turned peacemaker. I teach executive leaders how to listen to emotions rather than words so that they can become the leaders everyone wants to follow. And I teach those same leaders how to be authentically present, available, and connected to their families, despite being insanely busy. I have learned that we are 98% emotional and only 2% rational. Learning how to listen to emotions is, in my experience, the foundational skill of life. Stick around to the end of the show, and I'll reveal how you can be on our next guest in 15 to 20 minutes. So let's get started. Maggie Rose McCarr, CEO and founder of Zant, which can be found at zant.app. That's A-P-P. Welcome to Listening with Leaders. Mm, Doug, it's such a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks. Uh, Maggie, tell us a little bit about your background and yeah. a little bit about Zant. Absolutely. So obviously there's so many twists and turns in my story and I could definitely go on and on and on. Uh, maybe even give you six different podcasts out of that story, but <laughs> just uh, just to keep it short. Uh, basically for me, I was a young person. My story really starts all the way back in high school. I was a young person who was very ambitious. I was very hardworking. Um, I graduated high school a year and a half early, and I was really proud of that accomplishment. It was something that a lot of people thought was going to be impossible. And then I went off to college. I started off in community college. My parents um, decided to teach me a life lesson of being completely financially independent. So by the time I was 18, I was paying for college by myself. I was paying for my car by myself. I was even living in my own apartment, everything I was responsible for. It's very different when you're 18 years old and your colleagues, right? Your your other friends are being supported in different ways and you're not. So uh, at that time, I already was in motion of learning so many different life skills and skill sets um, and challenges, going through so many challenges personally. I was working on the Upper West Side in Manhattan, uh, nothing fancy. I was a server. And I was out in New Jersey going to community college. My big goal at the time was becoming a prosecutor. I thought that that was my way of helping people. Um, it wasn't until flash forward about a year into my college journey. So the end of my freshman year, I was working on the Upper West Side in Manhattan, normal shift, and my phone just kept ringing in my apron and I stepped outside to take it. And it was one of the worst phone calls of my life. Um, a very close friend of mine had passed away from suicide. Mm -hmm. And when that happened, everything changed for me drastically just within that second, that moment that that was something that could be real. I went through a period of denial. I went through a period of depression, uh, grief, obviously, and stages of grief are different for everybody. But at that time in my life, I couldn't just go to other people to talk to. I didn't feel like there was anybody who understood. And I didn't have money to just start spending on going to see a therapist, even if they were the best therapist in the world. So I went to Google. I endlessly searched. I contacted as many as 60, 70 different people between grief counselors, between therapists, and I was being hit with roadblocks. And it wasn't necessarily that it was the fault of the professional, but it was just, you know, very long waiting lists, very costly sessions, things that I couldn't afford. And um, I was now 19 years old at the time. I felt like I hit a wall. It actually wasn't until I had one therapist who he invested into me and he said, Maggie, I really believe I can help you. And I'm willing to do that for $10 a session. And that just completely changed my life. I mean, I, through that journey, I had to commit to the journey, but when I did, um, 
not only did that change my life, it really did save my life. And my pain started turning into passion. So that's where I let that passion drive me the rest of the way. And, you know, there's so many things that happened in between from going down nonprofit work, switching my major, switching schools, studying psychology, did a minor in business and um, realized that there were too many people that were suffering, especially around my age that just didn't have the same opportunity that I had. So I was on a mission and I've dedicated my life to this work. And for the rest of my life, I want to be able to contribute to helping the fragmented system, which is unfortunately our mental health system today, um, between accessibility and affordability and help young people not only get the support that they need uh, when they need it, but also start implementing practices like regular therapy or regular coaching sessions in their life to make this a part of their every day to, to really normalize this. And one last thing I'll note with Zant, you know, today we're, we've created Zant out of all of this. So my story really builds the stepping stones for what is Zant today. And Zant is an app that's $0 to access, $0 for your first session, $0 to use and utilizing different tags and features. We help you filter out results to find professionals that aren't just general therapists. These are specialized, focused uh, provider services. And these are life coaches, trauma-informed counselors. These are eating disorder mentors. These are addiction recovery counselors and so much more so that you can find your team or find your person in one place without having to go to so many different apps or resources and without spending so much money along the way, along that journey and time. Um, and we focus on helping young people. Student rates are $25 a session. Um, but along the way with Zant, the biggest focus was to impact lives, to save lives, and really be able to make this something of everyday life. And I will add that I am not only biased because I am the founder, but I am 100% biased because I see the most amazing coach on the app myself. So it's That's quite neat. an interesting journey. So I, I did go to the website to check it out, and I was impressed. It looks to me like what you've yeah. got is you've got, on one side, you have the users. These would be young people or anybody, really. It's got the app mm -hmm. help, and you, they have a huge laundry list, over 25 major categories, and I imagine a whole bunch of subcategories under that. And then you've got the providers on the other side. And yeah. it looks to me like the providers pay a fee to get onto the app, and then and that's where you that's your revenue stream, and a little bit from the from the end user, and they connect through the app. And that's how it works. I mean, it's it's genius. How many it's so a very many, interesting model for sure. It is. How many uh, just just on ter terms of numbers, how many users? So yeah. right now we have almost 700 users. These are also all organic. So I want to mention that we would love to be spending more and more of our funds on marketing. And that's where we're going at the end of 2023 into 2024. Uh, we are fundraising right now. So that's a big goal is into marketing and development and innovation of that development and technology. But um, that's all organic. So we have 700 users and these are actively using the app. And the way that we determine activity is based on whether or not somebody has had a recent session and has another one scheduled. So these are 700 active users. We've had over 3000 downloads to the app. Wow. Um, we actually just launched the app itself in September. So we've only been around mm -hmm. for for a short time. And we have about 70 providers who are within our, our network right now. We're trying to push towards 100 and potentially as many as 500 as we go into the end of the year because we're expanding to corporations and uh, not only as employee assistance programs, but within different workshops and different avenues of, of really how we can help impact employees 
or people of all ages, not just students, as well as working with schools. So um, it's exciting, but we have a ratio. We can't throw off that ratio. You know, if we have too many providers and not as many clients and that throws off the ratio or vice versa. So, um, you know, we, we really focus on making sure that we keep that ratio strong and are constantly thinking about both the providers and the users. And that's really where we built our business model. I could always expand later, but. How do you vet your providers? Great question. We actually really pride ourselves on our vetting process. Um, so we do like a preliminary vetting with our providers. So that includes not only looking over their resumes, making sure that they have the right qualifications that would make them a provider in our network. Because we have so many different categories of services, that does mean that we work with providers across different licenses and certifications. But we have to make sure that they can work across state borders and not every license, not every certification can. So we go through a preliminary vetting to make sure that their license or certification is one that can work within our platform and across state borders. Then after that, if we're interested, we invite them to an extensive uh, application. Has a lot of different questions in there. We try to really understand their goals as well. You know, are they coming to this platform to build their clientele? Are they looking for a management tool? Is this philanthropy for them? You know, do they want to give back? Is that what this is, uh, you know, along their journey? Then from there, we schedule a phone call. We talk to them. You know, we want to make sure that not only do we show ourselves as real people, but we make sure that they're real people. And then after that, if they decide to move forward, they can talk to us about different goals that they have, where our business model really comes in is in offering management, marketing, and PR services for our providers. So we try to figure out where their goals lie and make sure that the membership they choose will accomplish those goals. Uh, once they choose that membership, then we go through the rest of our uh, vetting and background check, which is license verification, certification verification, education verification. We go through a detailed history report of the last seven years to make sure that there's no county criminal, federal criminal, because you just never know. <laughs> then from that point, we move into onboarding and uh, we're off to the races. So it is an eight-step vetting process, but we believe that you know, we want to be one of the standards when it comes to high quality professionals. And in order to do that, it starts with proper vetting. Wow. What is it that gets you up in the morning? It gets you so excited and pumped up. Oh, that's a great question because, you know, I eat, sleep, breathe, dream, everything's ant. Uh, this is my life. I mean, it's the greatest blessing. It, it was the most difficult tragedy in my life. However, that tragedy has resulted in making me a servant to other people in a way that I want to dedicate my life, right? So for me, it's that determination to make sure that every day I'm making an effort towards saving somebody's life ultimately or helping improve the life of somebody else. Uh, on a more surface level, I love working with my team. Our team is amazing. Everybody is so passionate. They work so hard. We, we're a very small team for a pretty large operation. We have five people on our core team right now, and we're actually expanding this summer. We're hoping to double in the fall. But as of right now, we're, you know, you have your core four and we've just added a fifth. So now, now you have a core five and uh, being able to serve as their leader and be a mentor along the way is another thing that helps me stay motivated and want to keep helping every way that I can. What do you think it is that's unique about you that's making all of this work? Um, it's a great question. Um, always an interesting one to answer. 
because I think other people would describe me as very ambitious. A lot of other people might look at me in my life and wonder how in the world can she focus on this so much and spend so much time on this. I think that I have a certain grit and a certain level of grit that might be different than other people. Um, I don't know if I would necessarily stand by the statement that I was always born a leader. However, I did grow up in a household where both of my parents, not only stubborn, they're also both entrepreneurs in in their own lives. They both have their own businesses, small businesses, but they both have their own businesses. So I grew up watching their, you know, late nights, their hard work, their early mornings and being taught that you have to put the horse blinders on. You have to focus. And if you really want something, you go for it. And for me, I also answer to a higher power. So I focus on that a lot and make sure that that's really um, prevalent in my life every day. So I think that you add all that together in a mixing bowl and (laughs) you have that that grit and tenacity that, that created the leader that is today. But I'm still learning. There's so much that I need to learn. And I can't wait to see how I grow in the next 10 years, especially with conversations like these today and talking to individuals like yourself with so much experience and talking to so many other mentors and investors who work with us along the way. How have you, how have you done with your fund, fundraising? Fundraising is an interesting topic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it teaches you a lot. You know, I think when I look back at where I was when I first started, um, especially as a first time founder in a startup company, because prior I had founded a nonprofit, very different ball games. Um, but being a first time founder in this type of field, it taught me a lot. Looking back, I feel as though there were many people around me who I would listen to certain advice that my gut would tell me to go a certain direction. And I think that as a founder, you learn to trust your gut and you learn to value your gut. And that helps to guide you in different fundraisings. You know, we don't want every investor to be a part of what we're doing. We want the right investor to be a part of what we're doing. And I really do look at investors as partners. These are not just funds. You know, we want people who will have education, have resources, have a network. These are individuals who we can learn from or I can learn from, potential mentors, people who we can really go to with a business decision, potential board members and say, you know, what do you think of this? Because we're making these tough decisions. What do you think based on your experience? So we make sure that these individuals are purposeful in our mission and that they also are mission focused because that's what we are. We've raised uh, about $600,000 so far, and we're actually raising another 500K right now. And we're looking to give us a 10-month runway from that until we go into a Series A, which would be much larger since we'll be focusing that Series A on marketing, expansion. Um, And right now, we're really hyper-focused on innovating our technology to make ourselves the best and the greatest in the market, really break through, really break uh, into an industry that is very fragmented, but also has many people in the space. Are there any other apps that are anything close to Xand? You know, I would say, and of course, this is complete bias when I say this because, right, but I would say no. Uh, However, when people think about therapy, they do think about certain apps. They think about Talkspace. They think about BetterHelp. Mm -hmm. You know, you look at those apps and there's some really big differences there. Uh, One, they're only focused on general therapy. We're not. We have specialists that go across different licenses and certifications. 
Two, when you download their app, you have to answer multiple questions or a long survey because they take control over your journey and they match you. And that's that third big difference for us is that we wanted to help guide people. We didn't want to control their journey. We wanted them to decide because most people do know who they might want to work with, right? You all, everybody has a preference. Uh, we wanted to help guide people, but not control their journey. So when you download Zand, you have access to control your journey to see somebody with a free consultation and decide for yourself whether or not that's the right fit. Uh, you look at other apps in the market and their reviews, and you see people commenting, well, I was matched with somebody who doesn't even focus on what I'm struggling with. You know, it doesn't seem intentional when they're matching people. And then, of course, that fourth kind of component of difference for us is the paywall. You look at so many other apps in the market and their business models are very traditional SaaS. They're trying to make money from the client. They're trying to make money from maybe one other avenue of that marketplace or, you know, however they're built. But on that side, you have people who are struggling. Most of them are struggling financially. And it's just a proven statistic that most uh, individuals who struggle with mental health are also not uh, in a positive financial situation. And you're trying to charge $60 just to get into your app before they can even see what the app is about. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there are definitely apps out there. And I think to credit BetterHelp and Talkspace, they were founded around 2011, 2012, when people were not talking about mental health. And they were founded during a time when both uh, actually origin stories are very similar. Uh, that has to do with couples counseling. And their goal was to create awareness for couples counseling to help better the lives of relationships across the world. And that eventually grew into one-on-one -on -one therapy. For us, we're, we're coming out during a time that's post-COVID, that people are talking about things differently and that young people are uh, very different than ever before. Um, you know, this, you know, new generation, Generation Z, you know, you're looking at individuals who even myself, I'm right on that line of millennial and Gen Z. And even I have trouble sometimes really relating to Gen Z. So we try to make sure that we do a lot of, of research. We do a lot of reporting. We also bring on interns that are in that generation. We do a lot of case studies because we want to make sure that we're communicating to the right audience. But, um, you know, when it comes to the market, there's over 10,000 apps that have to do with mental health, but wow. they range. Like you're talking about the Calm app, which is an amazing app, by the way, meditations. And then you go all the way over to the other side and you're talking about one-on-one -on -one therapy. So it, it's a very broad market. How are you going to, how do you think you're going to break through the market and break through the noise? I don't want to give away too much of our secret sauce because we've got some really, we've got some really exciting stuff coming. I mean, it's one of those things where as a founder, you know, you're always trying to stay 10 steps ahead. So right. I, we're 10 steps ahead behind the scenes. Uh, and I'm so excited for what comes out in those 10 steps ahead, which is actually going to be closer to this fall. Um, but for us, we're really focused on the provider experience and we're really focused on the user experience, but the provider experience is important to us. And it really is a huge differentiator for us. Um, we want to make sure that we can help our providers manage their time and that we can give them the tools that they need since COVID when they were used to working in person, right. working virtual by focusing on our providers. And instead of hiring them as W2 employees, we go into business with them. We're their business partners. There are clients where they're business partners. We help them grow. We help them function their business day to day. We give them time back, whether that's time in their personal life or whether that's time for other clients, like the ones that we hope that they'll see, which are these students who really need them most. And by helping our providers, those providers in turn can help 
their clients, which are users on the app. So that's a really big differentiator for us. We're hyper-focusing in on, and I've mentioned it a couple of times already, innovating that technology. We're bringing out some really neat components of artificial intelligence. I know that's a scary word for some people. Um, we're really trying to make sure we use it for good, right? So um, it's a new term for us, but we're excited. I mean, it's it's we have a lot of really interesting features, add-ons that will also change the way that people approach and even find search and use mental health services. So you have that provider component and then changing the way that people even approach those services. And for us, that's that's our formula of really disrupting the market. This sounds very disruptive. It sounds like, It sounds revolutionary to me. Thank you. So this show, of course, is called Listening with leaders, and I'm all about listening. Tell me about the importance of listening as a CEO and co-founder in a startup. Well, for starters, you already know this. I'm sure your listeners probably have, you've probably said this somewhere, but you know, 85% of everything that we learn in life comes from active listening. So this is critical to our everyday life and to developing as human beings. I think that as a CEO, especially a startup CEO, and building a team for the first time that was, you know, this is, I called them core four. And I said, we added another one, core five. You know, you have this core five team who is your squad. These people are building your company with you. These people are also seeing your company being built in a different way than you are. So for me as a leader, I constantly take time to talk to people, but also listen to people. It is so important for me as a leader to know how to lead my team by listening. If I cannot properly listen, then how can I properly lead? Especially when these are individuals who are your founding team members. Um, you know, we're constantly trying to improve our team. I even recently, we launched an initiative with our team that was focused on performance coaching. I wanted to help them level up. Everybody gets stuck in the mud. Everybody hits a plateau. So we took some of the most amazing providers who are within our network. Uh, We have a pretty good group of corporate coaches that work with us between performance coaching, success coaching, et cetera. They are also the providers who actually lead uh, our corporate workshops and will also be among the first to service corporate companies across the country as we launch our employee assistance programs. And uh, the goal was, listen, I'm constantly listening. I'm constantly talking to the team. However, I can't always be here to get them to that next level. I've gotten them here, but we really need a professional to come in and help them with performance. So we actually are, we pay for sessions for them to see a corporate coach. Um, We do that during the week with them and really help them focus on leveling up. So they get active listening, not just from me, but also from each other. And additionally from being engaged into these corporate, you know, coaching sessions, performance sessions. How are you finding those coaching sessions to, to be working for you as an organization? It's like night and day. Um, I will tell you, we have somebody on our team who's amazing. Uh, he runs our provider operations and he is somebody who I cannot praise him enough for growing so much. I mean, the level of growth that I have seen him accomplish is just outstanding. And he is 
not just is he a person who has an amazing heart, but he's so incredibly passionate. And it was important for me for a while to work with him to get him to where he is. But then there was a plateau, which was there's a level of performance that I can't help you reach that really you can help you reach, but you need the right person who can listen very closely and be very intuitive about that listening to guide you on those next steps. And within the first two sessions of going through this style of performance coaching, immediately, you know, this individual is speaking up more, taking the lead on more and using the word leader more than ever before. And that's really how I already see them. I just want them to see that in them in themselves as well. Mm -hmm. I would say it's, it's encouraging, it's inspiring and we love to see our team contribute to their own well-being, especially as a mental health-focused company. And, and you're going to be looking back on these days. I mean, you haven't even been in operations for a year. And you, in 10 years from now, you're going to have 10,000 employees, and this is going to be one of the biggest apps in the world. And you're going to look back and say, remember when there are only four or five of us? <laughs> <laughs> and we talk about that all the time. We have so much history. Many of the people who work on our team and I call them founding team members because they really are. But many of these individuals have actually kind of been along the ride with me for three, four years, some of them, since I we were a nonprofit, um, you know, since we were on the ground. And so, of course, when we made the decision to switch over and close down the nonprofit, start up a, a startup company, do the impossible for us. Um, the first people I looked at were those individuals who were in an unpaid position with a nonprofit, super passionate and dedicated and wanted to accomplish that same mission. So these people, they have a very special part of my heart because they've been with us for so long. So that moment that you just described, uh, it will be a very exciting time, not just for me, but for them because they've been here for so long. You are doing an amazing job, Maggie Rose. Um, I can hardly wait to see the success of this. One last question. Sure. What's one thing about yourself we would never know unless you revealed it to us? <laughs> it's so funny you ask that because I said to uh, one of my colleagues before this podcast, I said, one day somebody's going to ask you exactly that question and you're going to have to tell them. Um, so I have a tremendous amount of social anxiety. I know you'd never know. And you probably didn't see because I'm good at hiding it on the screen, but I have a little stress ball in my oh. hand um, and I, I squeeze them while I'm on calls and while I'm talking to people. And when I'm in social settings and I can have my stress ball with me, I'll have it. And it's so cute. And um, I ordered like a hundred of them for the team and I go through all of them. But yeah, that's definitely a fun fact about myself. I love people. I love being around people. My life is dedicated to people. However, I just get very nervous and I get anxious. Well, you and... do a good job of hiding it because you seem very composed and put together. Squeezing I appreciate that. <laughs> it's the secret. I'm telling you, if, if you or anybody listening has anxiety, go to Amazon and buy these cute little smiley face stress balls. They're so tiny. You can hide them really well. You can just squeeze them all day long and they're amazing. And it keeps, keeps everything under control. It does. It's true. Well, and there's science behind it too, but I know we're out of time. So <laughs> well, <yeah. laughs> we can talk about a lot of this stuff for a long time. Oh yeah. We're, we're 30 minutes are about up. And I just want to thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to, to join me in this great conversation. So thank you. Doug, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Doug Knoll here. Thank you so much for listening to Listening with Leaders. 
If you are a successful executive leader who would like to be on this program, please visit podcast.dougnoll.com slash podcast. If you got something out of this interview, would you please share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on the social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag listening with leaders. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to my website, dougnoll.com, or follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. That's at Douglas E. Noel. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next show.